Hey everyone, this is Mike Flanagan, and on this episode of the Inside Bowling Show, we're pleased to welcome the commissioner of the PBA Tour, Tom Clark. I like to joke around a little bit about how Tom has made more shows than anybody else in the history of the PBA Tour by sitting in the front row as you see him on TV constantly, but the important takeaway is how much of a bowling historian he is and just how much he loves the game. Our show, if you find it by now, is broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and you should head over to those accounts by searching Inside Bowling to watch the program and check our schedule of upcoming episodes. If you're enjoying the show, do us a favor, subscribe to our podcast, and leave us a review. We would certainly appreciate it. If you really like what we're doing here, head over to InsideBowling.com, and you can save 15% off of our merch with coupon code IBSHOW. Elements from today's show were intended for both video and audio. We apologize if at some point in the show you can't follow along. This is a great reminder that all of our shows are archived on our YouTube channel. So here it is, episode number eight, with the commissioner of the PBA Tour, Tom Clark. Wednesday, everybody. I'm Mike. Matt's alongside me again for what is this, Matt? Episode what? What episode are we on? Episode eight. 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 Ocho, right? Ocho, yeah. Episode eight. Every time I think of Ocho, I think of Chad Ocho Cinco. That's like, funny you say that because every time I think of Ocho, I think of the movie Dodgeball when they're talking about ESPN 8, the Ocho. That's what I think of when I think of Ocho. Yeah, I always thought there should be an extra frame three, and it would be R-rated, and that ties in nice with our guest today, but XF3, because they had XF1 and XF2 for the PBA, yep. and then I, Jeff Goodger and I used to joke about this, XF3 would be what everybody really wanted to say that right. isn't politically correct. <laughs> that would be entertaining. I'm sure I'm sure they would get plenty of viewers. Um, everybody always wants to hear kind of the, the R-rated side of things. Um, I think maybe so, maybe a couple cuss words during, you know, like, oh, my God, what a terrible break. You know, it might make might make for some pretty good entertainment. So that'd be cool. Yeah. Peterson went there on Monday a couple times when we were trying to set him up some uh, softballs. And <laughs> yeah. We weren't ready for. But yeah. Uh, he's... Yeah. So um, welcome back, everybody. I mean, we're happy to have you involved with the program. Remember, uh, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook Live and you can uh, interact with our program by submitting questions and Matt will display them on the screen or when Matt's talking, I'll display them on the, on the screen as he is the uh, producer in case anything goes wrong, we can blame him, but I also produce a little bit as well. So uh, a couple of things I did want to get to before we get to our guest and he's been busy. He was on a show right before us with uh, Brad Angelo and Rick Benoit. And I wasn't aware that they even had a show uh, until I was searching Tom Clark this morning, um, you know, doing our research that we normally do, but Hey, shout out to those guys. It's called, uh, it's like he'll he'll be able to tell us it's uh, like ten pins in the pit or something is the yeah, name yeah, of the show or the pro shop. Yeah. So 
Uh, we'll let him he'll, him do that when we bring him in. But uh, I did want to touch on, on two quick things. Um, the Dan Sheppy romance is continuing. Uh, we did become Facebook friends again, uh, and he's been interacting in our show. So, uh, Dan, love you. I'm glad we're reconnected. Uh, and that all happened through the show. So a love connection has been made again between Dan Sheppy and I. Uh, the second thing is, is uh, have you been watching or keeping up with uh, with with uh, late night with Fallon or, or the late show with Jimmy Fallon at all? Have you have you? Been- uh, I have I haven't been recently, um, but I know I love. I think I think uh, Jimmy Fallon's hilarious, and I think that. Uh- so, so he's doing he's doing this thing from his house with no audience, right? And right. Um, it's almost cringeworthy to watch. It's really not funny. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I've always heard that when you watch like sitcoms, funny sitcoms without the laugh track in the background. That it's literally it's almost cringeworthy to watch, and I can imagine them being pretty similar. Yeah, so he's hosting the the, the Tonight Show from his house at his desk, and he's you know he's reading these these lines that have been written for him, and there's no audience, and it's just not funny. And I and I thought about it, and Kim and I were watching it, and I'm like, I I'm not trying. I don't know if this is me having a big ego, or or if this is me just being a complete idiot. But I Probably feel a combination of the two. I feel like our show is exactly what he's doing right now. We're not funny either. He's not funny. We're on the same level. So if we brought in a studio audience uh, here and a laugh track and you could be, you know, my sidekick guy, you could be my Ed McMahon, you know. I can, we, yeah, we I can be your Guillermo to your Jimmy Kimmel. We're in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, you're better You're better than Jimmy Fallon right now. I'm telling you right now. Uh, well, well, I appreciate that, Mike. I really don't know if I believe you. Well, you are. And, uh, you know, what a great show we had yesterday with Chuck Gardner. Yes. Uh, a little bit longer program. We, we did get into the racing. He did try to take us around on a, on a inside bowling cribs tour of his house, disconnected the internet, <laughs> um, but it was a great, it was a great show and he promoted it very well. And we appreciate that. But uh, I want to introduce our, our guest today. Um, many people know him as the commissioner of the PBA tour. Um, and this guy, he is, he has had to navigate some, some rough waters over the years and talk about a bowling historian as well. He's very underrated when it comes to bowling knowledge and just overall knowing everything that's happened in PBA history. And he's underrated when it comes to the PWBA as well, because he has a, a, a passion for women's professional bowling doing well also as he did the women's series. And we'll get to that uh, throughout the show today. We'll talk about that a little bit. Some of Tom's accomplishments and things that he's done. That's been met with uh you know, people that, that applauded his efforts and some people that took to social media and said, Hey, this is, this was not a good decision at the time, but uh, we're going to get his thoughts on some of those things. But one thing before I bring Tom on is I started an inside bowling show with my friend, Doug Lakey um, about 10 years ago. Now Um, it was in 2010 is when we started the show and Tom came on our show more than any other guest. And Tom always told me that I was doing it right because I always had a co-host that looked better than I. And I think I've done that again today. And I'm looking forward to seeing if Tom agrees with that. And I know he's going to remember that show. But one thing about Tom is he's always believed in me and my passion for bowling, um, which I've always appreciated over the years, whether he's given me an opportunity to call some action on extra frame, uh, whether he's uh, come on shows. And again, he's just doing that again today for us. And his time is precious. Uh, He's a smart guy. He's in his role for a position. That, that he deserves because he just knows how to navigate the waters, like I said earlier. But I'm happy to have him on our program here in our first two weeks. And we didn't want to have him on beta testing week because our show wasn't that good. Uh, now it's like a D, but it was an F last week. So hopefully he's going to help bring the show up a little bit. Let's bring in our guest this week, the commissioner of the PBA Tour, 
Tom Clark. Welcome, Tom, to the program. Really appreciate it. Thanks for making some time for us today. How you doing, guys? Wow. I have a major league microphone envy right now. And <laughs> and the uh, right? and and this uh and yes, you did you you did stick with the idea. Matt Matt Farber, I I would say that he's better looking. Thank you. Well, thank you. I think I'm going to retire. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Inside Bowling Show today. We'll uh, catch you. But you, but, <laughs> catch, catch but, later. Uh, but you also alluded to something with the to, with the, like the Tonight Show that is similar to what's going on in bowling today with all of these different podcasts. So you now, if you were Johnny Carson back in the heyday of the Tonight Show, you would have seen me be on the Brad Angelo show and said, "Tom, you are not coming on this show." We only take people on their first time out. Now, uh, now that you just shot all, everything with Brad Angelo, you ruined our show. So the, <laughs> Johnny Carson would always say, "Well, would never." He would basically tell people, "Look, Letterman and anybody else that was out there, the guest has to come on my show first, or I don't want them." Or and uh, and and that's the way the late night wars work. So now we have the bowling podcast wars with Beef and Barnsey. <laughs> and Belmo, and uh, the Morning Bolt, and Mike Flanagan, the Inside Bowling, and Brad Angelo, and uh, everybody else that's doing shows. But uh, it actually is pretty cool what you're doing. And um, and you with that microphone, you are the leader. You're number one. Wow. I mean, you can purr into that. You're just purring into that. <laughs> I mean, like you can just get right next to it, like Joe Rogan. You know, you should touch it every once in a while, like Joe Rogan does. Well, I don't know. You know, he's always, <laughs> he, he moves it to his face sometimes. Yeah, he does. You watch the Joe Rogan. Yeah, like, he moves it, and, uh, and uh, I think the more, the better you get with that thing, the more you keep moving up a level. So, wow, wow, <laughs> appreciate it. You know, Dan Dan Patrick's my my hero. I, I watch his oh, show. Sure, I, I watch his show on YouTube, or I listen to it. When I'm cutting the grass, or whatever I'm doing. Uh, and DP last year actually. Uh, came out on the air and let everybody know about how he's been dealing with uh, some some struggles uh, with with he's got fog brain based off of some other medical conditions that he's dealing with and he wasn't sure how much longer he's going to do the show and that was a really big a, a moment for me that we just don't know how how long these things are going to be around like a guy like Dan Patrick how long he's going to keep doing his show so I've made a conscious effort ever since he did that show I'd listen you know probably a couple episodes a week but mm -hmm. now I listen to every single show every single week because. I grew up with Dan Patrick as, as a kid um, on Sports Center, and I just I love the way his take is on things. And right now they're in a lawsuit with Tom Brady right now. Not a lawsuit, but they got a cease and desist because they create funny T-shirts. Uh, yeah. And they, they did Tampa Bay. Tampa yeah, yeah. Bay. Yeah. And uh, they got a cease and desist letter from Tom's lawyers. He really, Yeah, I can't believe Brady actually trademarked that. It's really yeah. not that funny. It's not that good. So they're poking fun of it, and and we do things like that here too. You know, like uh, Matt's my Danette, I guess you know, so to speak. And we did a Tiger Bowler T-shirt uh, yeah. around Tiger. And we do <laughs> stuff too. So a lot of similarities there. Well, Dan Patrick, uh, you know, he grew up, uh, uh, you know, learning from who are my favorite. Uh, talkers in 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 history like david letterman and howard stern and dan patrick was a big howard stern fan and, and they you could learn from the way that they could capture an audience with their own uniqueness but um and and not a and, and fearlessness really 
And that's how you can grab an audience. And guys like him learn from them. And so Dan Patrick's fun to listen to. And you know who I, you know who I just, uh, I listen to every single show he does is Bill Simmons. And mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if it's because I really like him that much. He's very similar. He's the same age as I am. We have the same perspectives on everything. We watched all the same movies. We lived through all the same sporting events. And we have the same love for sports and everything. I don't agree with everything, but he, he is really compelling to me. He does a great job. He's always, he, he does, he's like you, Mike, in that he does the research. I mean, he knows what the hell he's talking about. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you already know me for 10 years. Like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if today you looked up something about me because that's smart. And, uh, and when you have some, some knowledge behind you or some things to ask, because you did a little bit of research, and this guy Bill Simmons seems to have fifty hours a day to do research. Um, you know, you you end up being deeper and uh, more compelling, and uh, and um, you know, to this basically the way I fall asleep nowadays is I listen to podcasts and I listen to YouTube, and and your Bill Simmons and Joe Rogan are really two of the best right now, and and I've been doing that with those guys for years. It seems like everyone else is catching up to that now. Um, so and now and now during the day, being able to watch these bowling shows. It's actually pretty good. You know, I've, everyone is actually doing a pretty good job at it. When you have, you know, of course, it always, it ends up coming down to the guests, right? I mean, it's like, you know, when you had Dave Lamont and you had Randy Peterson, now those guys know how to talk. They have, a, they have a great voice. They have experience in front of a camera. They know how to tell a story a lot shorter than I do, like better than me, better than most people. And, um, and so they're really good guests to have on. Then you have in bowling, like Norm Duke, when you have Norm, just wait for Norm. When you have Norm, he'll be the best guest you ever had. You know, he's just, he's just incredible. But, um, anyway, don't accept guests. If they go on Brad Angelo's show, just tell them, look, if you're going to pick Brad Angelo and do his show before my show, you're out. Okay. Uh, we'll start doing that. <laughs> Matt, Matt, what did I tell you about, about Tom as we were prepping for this show? We joke around that we do overnight show prep and we stay up all night. We do a little a little show prep. What did I tell you about Tom going into this today? Uh, well, first, before I say that, I like to preface this with, uh, I really dig your mug. Uh, the I, I love New York mug. New York is right here <laughs> in, in on my mind right now, so I dig that. And uh, also, he said, uh, you know, Tom likes, Tom likes to give lengthy answers and he likes to give a lot of detail. And so that's uh, something that we prep for. In other words, I talk too much. You mean I talk no, too much? No, 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 no. Just, just be- detail, <laughs> detail, Tom. And that's why you're so successful is your attention to detail. Like you were touching on before, how Mike always asks these questions. He does his research. He knows what he's talking about, just like you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, in other words, it's too much talk. Go ahead. No, <laughs> Mike talks too much. You're you're just very smart. There's a difference. <laughs> Matt, I think your your internet is struggling a bit again today. Tom, are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see he's dragging a little bit. Yeah, my audio isn't perfect. Just so you guys know, I don't, I don't know. That's probably on me, but it's coming in and out a little bit. But it's still, uh, as you know, Mike, that's the key to everything with these shows. I mean, it's like, you know, you can have a great show, but if the audio is off a little bit, or if uh, the lighting's really bad, or you know, um, there's little things that can kill. Uh, the momentum or the chance for a show to get to that next level. And then sometimes being really rough is its own um, attractiveness to a show. Like, you know, being raw like this, you know, could also could almost be cool in a way. Um, and so, you know, you kind of like it, but ultimately it, it better be well done from an audio technical um, 
standpoint or it's never going to have legs. So that's why it's cool that you have that microphone. Yeah. And I told Matt, I said, I'm going to Johnny, I'm going to Johnny big timey here. I'm going to, I'm ordering this. I got this through guitar center. And if you want to go buy something from guitar center, all you gotta do is call them on the phone. They'll give you a discount. They'll give it. You just call them up, tell them what you're trying to do. They'll give you a nice discount. They'll send it to you free shipping. So that's a little plug for guitar center. A lot of people don't necessarily think to go there, but it's cheaper than Amazon. If you go to guitar center, they'll always hook you up. But, uh, Matt, I know uh, as we talked about things, it looks like you, uh, you should be back now. Let's, let's yep. try something here. You good? Yep, I think, I think so. Is it sound okay? That's nah, not great. You, oh, you, boy, here we go. You All moved right. powders yesterday. But what well, one thing that's happening, Tom, and you had this happen on the Beef and Barnsy show where your internet connection cut out, mm-hmm. is everybody's on the internet in the neighborhood now. It's, it's mm-hmm. really changed. Like, I don't think these internet providers are ready for it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I, I'm wondering about that with Wi-Fi and... Even thinking about where your router is and your where you live and relative to where you are, I'm sure I'm too far away, probably. You know, but there's uh, but you know, I was never, I've never been a fan of uh, like FaceTime or uh, Zoom uh, or even uh, the Skype. Uh, I just never liked it because, honestly, I didn't think people really wanted to stare at my face. To be honest with you, and it was kind of like, do I really? Do I? You know, does someone want to stare at me while we have a meeting and talking? And uh, and I just I've always shied away from it and just stayed with speakerphone or or, or had phone calls. But then in this new era or age or whatever we're in the middle of here, um, Zoom. I've actually grown to really like Zoom and think that it's a pretty cool way to have a meeting. And this this platform that you guys are using. I mean, it's really effective, and uh, uh, and now that everybody's in the same boat, and you kind of have to do it, it's not as it's, it doesn't feel like you're imposing as much on people. So, um, um, you know, I don't know. I clearly, clearly, the company to have had stock in before uh, this uh, virus was Zoom. Uh, you know, so um, there's going to be a lot of new businesses that come out. You know, uh, that. Um, that no one thought of before that are suddenly going to be the cutting edge and the place where you want to be in this new world. See Sebo saying hi. Great to, great to hear from him. Yeah, this platform's great. Uh, we were going to do a live show two weeks prior to when we actually launched this show, but I couldn't get Wirecast and Zoom to work together. And then all of a sudden I see Barnes and Stu doing their show, and I'm like, how did these pro bowlers figure this out before <laughs> well, me? Like. I didn't get it. And yeah, but so, you know, you know Barnes and Stu. Yeah, they so, figure everything out. I mean, they've got everything figured out. Yeah, whether it's scouting pairs, oil patterns, or yeah. how to stream on the internet. Like, you know, invest in those guys for sure. And they're going to be our guests actually tomorrow. Which oh, be cool. Good. Uh, I've got one more thing before I, I throw it over to Matt for for some some questions that we prepped for for you. But uh, I, I did want to uh, talk about this mock draft that I did uh, last week on the Beef and Barnsy show. Did you happen to catch my draft strategy? Yes, I saw I most of it. I saw most of it. I got your strategy after the first, after the second pick. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I don't think it's a bad strategy, personally. I, don't, I really don't. I, I'm, I was with you. I mean, I, you're drafting the whole team, right? And you're at a huge disadvantage by not having three Hall of Famers like some of the other teams have to start with, you know? Um, I could have got one surefire Hall of Famer and Rash right out of the gate, but – Everybody well, else in the draft pool, like, I just wanted to separate myself, and it was going to be feast or famine. And I was looking, I was seeking attention with my team. Like, wouldn't that be the lead story 
when, all when lefties. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I, I always get excited when that all lefty team with Scroggins bowls the USBC Open. I'm like, what's going to happen here? I mean, this could be really interesting. It's kind of like you said, feast or famine. It's all in. It's it's um, you know, I you know, you guys know my favorite thing outside of bowling is Syracuse basketball. They play the, this Bayheim strategy. He plays a two-three zone. We're going to be the best at that. It might not work, but guess what? We could beat anybody with it. We could win the whole thing with it. We can go to the final four with it, with a team that is not as good as half the teams in the field because of a unique uh, one and only strategy. So if you come in and you say, look, my team's going to be all left, you could come in last place or you could win easy. You know, and it's like, why not? Why not take a shot? You know, I, I didn't think I don't think it's a bad strategy. I don't think it's going to happen. You know, but you weren't there to predict, right? You were there to do here's this is how I'm picking my team. Yeah, and that yeah. that show I think was their second best reaching show that they had done. And I thought Goodger's backgrounds that he was presenting and everything else, it was it was fun. I mean, it was fun and having Chad on there in a different environment mm-hmm. was extremely fun as well. He took it, you know, he took it pretty serious. You know, Chad is a he's a student, you know, he's he's he had to take it very seriously. Oh, don't tell me. Yeah, and, and, and I missed I missed your last thing that you just said, but oh, oh um, yeah, so, yeah. He just you know he's a student. He ah, he, he going like, out on me. I am. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's All right. bring Matt back in. Let's make sure he's okay. Matt? I'm here. I'm here. Can anybody? Is this is Matt's this looking look, now? Maybe Matt's dragging us down here. He looks like Matt. You there look, he is. You look good <laughs> on my screen. Yeah, Tom, Tom's looking me. a little laggy to me. You look good on my screen. We're just having like a. An internet, an internet struggle bus type of day here, but we're gonna get through this, fellas. Tom, are you good? You think? <laughs> well, you're yeah, good? no, the, yeah. The dra- I can hear you now. The the draft, um, the mock draft was really cool. I love the way you put it on the screen, and uh, that was great work by by I, I assume Barnes, you know. And um, uh, we're gonna do something similar. I mean, you'll see the real draft will be something similar to that. Uh, you know, I'm not that won't give anything away until we all announce it, but we'll. We're going to be we'll be doing the PBA League draft um, and um, have all the managers on. And, uh, you know, can you imagine how awesome it would have been at South Point? We were supposed to do it on March 15th at South Point on the other side after the first show, of the World Series. And we would have had this huge crowd and all the players would have been there. And uh, we had a state we had we really did a lot of work to make this the best PBA League draft ever. The Bolero guys, the new people, Carissa and Coley, and the, they really were into thinking like let's make the draft special and uh so we were investing a lot in it and uh so it was sad to have to have to cancel that and um, that was the day that we did go live but um with the world championship but but uh, there was no way to do a draft that day but um it, it uh it will make it cool and on uh in this type of format it won't be a zoom i think you know we'll work with somebody we're going to work together and produce it as best we can remotely well, you can take notes Thursday night, big night Thursday night NFL draft coming up. Yeah, yeah. And I watched the WNBA draft as well, and they did it virtually with a host at ESPN, and then they threw to the commissioner basically in her in her basement like me, like I'm in my office in my house. And, and um, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it was pretty good. It was good the way they did it. And they had people ready to come on and call in. Matt, that's your cue. Yeah, that's that's me right there. <laughs> so, you know, Tom, uh, first, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. We know you're busy. We know you're just coming off the other one. And, you know, we talked about what we did with our prepping earlier and how we, you know, we were talking about what, what to expect, what we want to talk about. And I think one of the things that we really obviously agreed on is that in order to be in your position, 
you have to be a very smart guy and a very talented guy. Um, and so what, you know, the, the main question that I want to ask, okay, can you hear me? All right. Do you got me? Ah, I'm losing it. Wait, hold on. Let me uh, make sure that everything's off here. Man, I'll tell you what. Come on, guys. You have figured out I'm over eating my there. <laughs> I was about to pull you, you up. Let me, me, uh, me try to – you want me to get back in and see if I yeah. come back in better? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was strong for an hour with uh, – um, Don't worry. It's Matt and his technical difficulties. It's, that's gone to your, your world. And yes. No, it's definitely me. Do you, do you hear me okay now, Mike? Is everything good here? Like Yeah, you're good. Uh, I think it's all right. So Tom's going to get back in here. Um, this just this just goes to show everybody. Wow, man, put it on a put it on a, a any type of a show here is is really a struggle. You know, <laughs> it's a, it's hard. It's hard, man. This yeah. uh, th this is this is this is just uh, unfortunate, incredible. But whether or not Tom likes it, we're going to ask him these questions and we're going to put him on the spot. Is, um... Yeah, yeah. screen there. He'll come what, back. What kind of what kind of cereal are you snacking on over there, Mike? Uh, it's it's just a plain Jane uh, raisin bran. Just a plain oh, raisin bran kind of guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, Joe. Cereal here. guy whatsoever. Actually, um, I, I I think that's also it's. Uh, he says we can hear you now, Tom, and then have Tom use Chuck's setup. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, okay. I, let's bring I think let's bring back. Tom back in. There he is. Uh, let's see if it's working. Rory needs to get off the Xbox. Yeah, that's that's the real problem. Yeah. Needs to get off the Xbox. So his neighborhood must man, they must everybody just got on Netflix, I guess. I guess. So while we're waiting for Tom to work this out here, um, I do have a follow up to uh, to the bowling ball story. Yeah, we talked about this critical mass that I had that there weren't many made. This is a pearl critical mass. I wanted to pull it down and show everybody. Um, it's 16 pounds, but uh, this was the the Shepster gift, I guess, that he gave me on the show yesterday. So pretty proud of this one. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool one. You know, it's interesting to look back at um, older bowling balls and what they sell for. And what's interesting to me is the difference that older bowling balls sell for just based upon the weight. You know, like if you had that in a 15 pounds, as opposed to having that in a 16 pounder or 14 pounder, the price really does. It does vary. It I does. Think I think it's interesting. You know, I think it's also always interesting to see, um, you know, and I also think something that's interesting is that people, um, you know, they'll, they'll go crazy over an old ball yet. They, you got to remember that those balls were made and uh, to perform on the oil patterns that were, you know, designed at that specific point in time. And you remember this ball being a super strong, flippy, angular ball. Um, and then, you know, you put it on today's oils conditions and it's probably not even going to be close to the same, you know? Let's see. Sorry. I hopefully, hopefully no, we're I, back. I think we're in here. I think you guys are good. Tom, can you hear me? All right. Yes. Oh my God. This is perfect. It's like a dream come true here. All right. So, so, <laughs> so, you know, we were doing our prep for the show. We were excited to have you on and we're grateful that you took the time to come on today. Um, one of the questions that, or, you know, one of the things that we talked about when we were prepping is the amount of pressure that, that, that comes with being in your position. And 
how every decision that you make is under intense scrutiny. You know, people that are in real, uh, really important positions in the industry, yourself, Chad Murphy, every single time you guys make a decision, there's a lot of scrutiny. There's a lot of backlash. You know, you always hear about the negative comments that people have to say, what is it like having a job where everything is under such scrutiny? Everything is always, always analyzed to, to the finest point. Well, you know, it goes both ways. I mean, I, it's, it's something I certainly, uh, don't mind. It's fine. It's fine. It's like, I, you know, I, I have a job where everyone else is an expert at that job, you know, and so right, right. you just kind of live with that. And, and the, um, and the thing is, it's really not a job that, um, you know, anyone can really define easily. It's not like there's a commissioner school, you know, um, there's very few, you know, people that do the types of things that, that we do. So, um, it's a unique uh, position and people come at it from different angles and different directions and different things are important to different people. I think that uh, where I've, where I'm actually happy with um, my own um, uh, situation when it comes to that kind of scrutiny is I, is I, and a lot of people um, working today came through this internet era or the social media era where there is way more, you know, feedback and way more experts about everything out there. Right. And, you know, at first that was not that easy for me to handle. And when I would read, I would get, you know, you almost get addicted to reading, you know, criticism and stuff like that, or, you know, praise or take. So, you know, once you, once you, uh, once you believe the criticism or take that seriously, um, you realize you can't take any of the praise seriously either. Just, you know, you, you, it's like, right. well, I, I believe this guy, but I don't believe this guy. You know. um, but it, it was pretty mountainous at first and it wasn't, it felt like it wasn't fair, you know, to have to deal with a, a certain level of criticism from people that really weren't. Well, Mike. If, if you had to give the rest of Tom's answer, how would you, how would you continue to, oh, he's, he's back. Is he back? He might be back. I'm going to, I'm going to phone his neighborhood. Everybody <laughs> get off, off Xbox and Netflix. <laughs> everybody stop. Just everybody. Here we go. He's back. He's back. He's here. He's here. I, I don't know why that one popped up. That, that one just the screen went boom. You know, I don't know what that was. Uh, no worries, no worries. But anyway, you know, you, I think getting to the other side of dealing with social media criticism and being as comfortable as I am now, and I always was very comfortable that I was doing the best that I could, and that nobody was going to work harder, and no one was looking at as many angles as I ever was going to look at. No one was searching out as much information. I was always confident in all of that. And always confident in that we were moving forward towards a goal. Um, but it was very defeating at times to have to deal with it. But coming to the other side of it makes me feel like I have a unique uh, experience that um, is something I, I really would look forward to teaching people how to handle. Because as new people come through and have to deal with that type of criticism, uh, I think they would want to hear from people who've experienced it. And before uh, like 2008, 9, 10, you know, what in there, before then, no one had experience with it. It didn't exist. I mean, the number of people that had any experience with, you know, being criticized was like in a newspaper, you know, 
um, you know, months after something happened or something, it wasn't as daily an onslaught of media attention um, and social media attention from people who had a voice all of a sudden that never even had a voice in the past. So there was no experience to go back on. And a lot of us have lived through that experience and now can kind of teach people how to deal with it because, you know, everyone's still, you know, anyone is lying to you if they say it doesn't bother them that someone says they're an idiot, you know, or whatever it is. It, of course, it's going to bother you. Of course. And or or even if they're it, it, I always said it, it usually only bothered me when they had like when they were a little bit right. You know, you know, like, like, because I know too, you know, I could, I could criticize every single thing that we do every single day, you know, everything about, you know, even just bowling and, and, um, and sports and in media is always about the next day, the next chance, the next shot, the next game. And, um, and I've always been that way. I've always felt like I'm, I'm planning towards the next one and the next one. And then once it's gone, I could kill it. I mean, I could just destroy it and then say, look, we're going to do better. And here's why. And here's the 50 things that we could do better on this thing. And then keep getting to that next step and that next step to do better and better with whatever tools that you have. And, um, and I think that that's a, the type of person that you want to be is somebody that's always looking forward, moving to the next one, the next one. And uh, that's what makes this time very, uh, very difficult, you know, trying to deal with not knowing when the next shot's coming and not knowing when the next chance is coming. Uh, I used to work in media. I used to work in, uh, in newspapers. And, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, I worked at USA Today, and, and it was an incredible team. And it was the number one newspaper in the country in 2 million circulation, total competition every day with ESPN, the New York Times, the Washington Post, Sports Illustrated, trying to beat them every day and trying and working uh, to, knowing the audience was so large and that everything you did had an intensity about it. You had to plan for each moment. But as soon as that day's paper was out, you looked at it, you ripped it to shreds and you moved to the next one. And that's the same way I kind of look at everything. And, um, and so, you know, you can't get stuck in the past or get dragged down by people hurting you. And, and I've, I've fallen prey to it a little bit, but you know, like after this, uh, what I'm going to, I'm going to say, and you're going to say that I talk too much. <laughs> no, no, I'll never say that. Tom, I can, I can, uh, I'll say that about Mike. You know, sometimes it's like uh, kind of the MO here is like, Mike will be like, hey, you got time to hop on a quick call real quick? Just want to yeah. show you. And then, and then I look at the, the call thing when it's on speakerphone, it says two hours and four minutes. And I'm like, oh, another quick call here with Mike. This is great. And I love every second of it. Um, but I think it's really, um, and I know Mike came on and gave a big thumbs up. And I think one of the things that you talked about that's really important is, the need to teach younger people how to deal with certain experiences and how to deal with certain pressures that they may not have had to deal with before. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of athletes um, in coaching and having to deal or, and having to teach players how to deal with practicing without coming back and using social media during your practice routines or getting distracted by different technologies that are out there. Everything has completely changed. And I think you're totally spot on with saying that you have to be forward thinking. You have to be very aggressive and always, you know, trying to find the next big thing that can make the sport, make the tour, make every all the professionals, make the organization grow. And I think one of, you know, and, and then and also at the same time deal with the the negatives that come with being so forward thinking and that's the people doubting you calling you crazy and you really have to be confident in what you're doing 
um, to be able to continue to execute that and to enjoy what you're doing. And I think one of the early examples um, of that from your, your time as commissioner is when you introduced the PBA Women's Series in 2007. And you had you were creating this essentially a mini tour for female bowlers to come out and to showcase their talents, and you caught a lot of backlash for it. And you know it was like, why are you bringing? You know, why are you mixing the two? Why you know why is this happening? And then you know we fast forward, what whatever it was, seven eight seven eight years, and the PWBA tour is out here and it's flourishing. Um, and I find it hard to believe that the PWBA would be able to be where it is today without something like the PBA Women's Series coming into play and kind of laying that groundwork. So, you know, what is it, what is it like, you know, being able to execute those ideas and then see down the line that like, hey, okay, you know, this was a good idea, this was successful, and this was the right direction? Yeah, well, at the time, I was actually with the USBC. And so the USBC, I was in charge of uh, marketing, uh, you know, and other and other things uh, for the USBC. And so the USBC's strategic plan, you know, was to grow the sport and to get people to identify with bowling as a sport. And having no women's professional bowling, you know, bothered me. I was, I'm a fan. I think it's incredible to watch. It's great bowling. Um, and it's just a whole other section of the community that, that can compete. And, uh, and, and there's a big part of the USBC. It was almost 50% of the bowlers, you know, were, were women. And, and so, um, you know, trying to give them a, a vehicle and then working with the PBA, you know, that way we were able to generate the funding to be able to afford that. And so, um, and now, now could you sit back and criticize and say, you know, yeah, but I don't think I really like watching the women on the men's shows. I completely get that criticism and I, you know, I understand it, but that's all we had, you know, as an industry, as bowling was that, couple hours that the PBA had on ESPN. And, and so being able to get the women out there and give them a chance to compete and stick with the game uh, and have the best women bowlers be given the, the spotlight and the exposure of being on TV. Um, yeah, I think that it helped bridge a gap between uh, having no PWBA BA at all to having a chance to have the PWBA again. And, uh, and it gave more people a chance to believe in wanting to take up bowling as a sport and understand it as a, uh, that way. You know, the, uh, you know, one of the great moments that ever happened uh, from a rating standpoint and from a media standpoint um, in PBA history was when Kelly Kulik won the uh, Tournament of Champions. I mean, and that was fair and square from, from the standpoint of they all started at the same exact time. There's no handicap pins. There's no right. advantages at all. She was in the field, and nobody would have bet on her to win. And she bowled the whole tournament, 48 games, all the match play, made the show, won on the show. It was really remarkable. And the only way she gets there is because of the Women's Series. And we had the first ever PBA Women's World Championship uh, and uh, had it at the World Series of Bowling. And she won that, and that's how she got in the Tournament of Champions. And people criticize that. Oh, they shouldn't right. be able to, you know, but – uh, they, they they forget that there's always been different ways to be a champion and get into the tournament of champions. There's been stretches that the traditionalists love more than ever. That was like the last 32 winners or the last, you know, uh, last 48 winners, whatever the number was for many years. And then they started letting international champions in and with different sponsors. And it always has to do, you know, with the, the, the climate at the time and the financials and the support and the world and the media at the time that you make decisions. And at that time, that, de that developed, and it developed into one of the great moments in the history of the game. And I, I was always very, very proud of that. And I, really, and I'm, I root on the, the women's tour um, every week.
Yeah. And, and you talked about really, you know, a couple of monumental moments um, in, in the sport of bowling, Kelly Kulik winning um, that event kind of really opened the door for female bowlers to really come in and continue and start to compete alongside with the men. So not only having the PWA tour, but now you've got bowlers like Maria Jose Rodriguez and Daniel McEwen um, and countless others that travel around the world. Um, you know, Liz Johnson is another one that constantly is out there competing against the men and women. And I think one of the things as a bowler that has um, been a little hard is that there are so many different organizations and there are so many events that are always going on that there sometimes tends to be conflicts of schedule and it tends to be difficult not only for the organizations because then they lose bowlers um, and also for the bowlers because they lose out on different opportunities. How as an industry and as a sport um, do you think that we can get better at working together to schedule so all the organizations can benefit completely you know, to the fullest extent from having as many athletes and all the attention they deserve and also the bowlers getting to go out there and compete as much as they possibly can. Yeah. You know, I, I really think that there's been, you know, I have to start off by saying there's been a lot of strides in that area and I give a Absolutely. lot of credit. Absolutely. I, I give, I give a, a lot of the credit to um, the BPAA strike 10 go bowling, uh, go bowling, you know, a, a few years ago decided to invest money in, um, women's tour, the PBA tour, the Go Bowling PBA tour. And it's helped us, uh, I think, be on as close to a same page as we, as we can be. Um, you know, I think that for a while, world bowling also was uh, a similar situation where, um, you know, we started to say, how can we work together? I mean, the PBA always, always, I always, when I first came in, had, had more than a vision, but a, a goal to make it a global make us a global sport. And, and, and um, it really it moved along in that way. And then World Bowling being a partner and having uh, someone there, Kevin Dornberger at the time that, that we were familiar with, uh, made that possible to, to schedule together and, and share, you know, in, uh, in the victories together. Um, so I think we've gotten better as an industry. Uh, it, it's always been um, something that you knew, you knew that everybody needed to work harder on and, and everybody believes that they're, um, you know, that their piece is the, the most important and they should. I mean, that's, right. what, that's what you're fighting for all the time. I'll tell you that I think the PBA being on national television and having the largest audience possible is the most important piece in the pot. You know, but somebody else will say, yeah, but the, the, the bowling center at home, getting the right people in the doors and keeping them as players and, you know, is the most important piece. I mean, there's a lot of different, you come at it from different angles. And that's why I think I really appreciated Go Bowling. I appreciate Bolero now. You know, investing in the PBA, they have this this many bowling centers, um, and so they believe that that exposure on TV is important to growing the game, and it can work. You know, so I, I think everybody's on the the same wavelength that you're on, and how can right. we work together? Uh, you know, I see things in other sports all the time. I mean, the, the NBA started the WNBA and basically funded, and they believe that that bringing in that that level that that kind of audience will, will support all of basketball. And um, I actually saw today on Twitter that Roger Federer came out and said, look, the ATP tour in tennis and the WTA tour, which is the women's side, we need to work together. Let's just have all of our events be together and have the women's events and men's events and scheduled together, same rules. Same. I mean, and, and when a guy like Federer says that, everybody listens and everybody says, right. oh, that's a great idea. You know, and, you know, I've been close, very close to tennis throughout all my career and very close to golf. 
uh, through all my career and working with the leaders in those sports. I was the golf and tennis editor for five years at USA Today and would go to to all of their meetings and and they, you know, they knew how to use that media. And um, that's why, that's how I got to be friends with Billie Jean King and uh, and some other people in, in tennis. And um, and you learn a lot from them about how working together is more important. And yet you watch them struggle. They're still struggling today. It's, yep. it's not easy to work together. <laughs> I mean, everybody right. wants to be the boss, you know, everybody yeah. wants to be, you know, in charge. So you have to, you have to know how to bend, you know, you have to know how to figure out um, what is important to some people, what's important to you, what you're going to fight for, what you're going to bend uh, and what you're going to say, well, if we can just get to this next step, I can give up this. This is not, this is an ideal. But if I say no, then we'll never get to the next step. So you keep moving to the next step, next step um, towards that ultimate goal. And, um, um, you know, I I think that uh, working together comes from relationships. So, you know, I mean, the guy in charge of the BPA is Frank DeSocio. You know, there's been years when he and I were mad at each other. You know, (laughs) this went one way, this went this way. But we always remained, you know, friends besides bowling, you know, we, you know, and so maintaining the relationship was one of the reasons why ultimately we become incredible partners together and advancing the game. And, uh, and I, I kind of look up to guys like that in that realm that know how to maintain relationships. I mean, there was a time in my life when if somebody, you know, pissed me off, I'd be like, they're dead to me forever. That's it. I'm, 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 that's my enemy, you know? And, uh, and, and you can, and some people use that to fuel themselves. And some people would use that to to say, okay, that's how I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna you know win is because I got this you know enemy. And then, uh, but then you kind of learn. Well, no, you know, it, it's uh, it's much better to uh, to maintain relationships, work together with people, and move forward. Absolutely, and you know, I think that's again a really important thing that you're talking about is just the the importance of collaboration and working together. Because if the pie grows to be bigger, then everybody's got a bigger piece of the pie. And you mentioned um, you mentioned some breaking news. You know, you mentioned um, Federer coming out on Twitter. You know, uh, some you know a lot of different organizations mm-hmm. talking. And I just want to pull up. I'm going to bring Mike back in here, but I want to pull up here, um, pull up some other breaking uh, media coverage that I've. Uh, saw on Twitter not too long ago, um, and I just I just want to get your uh, your quick feedback <laughs> on, on uh, this stud strapper <laughs> wheeling this thing. <laughs> oh, it's so, awesome! Yeah, what what was this? What was this event? This oh uh, we had this was Syracuse, New York. That's me, by the way. Yeah, look at that man. The name is spelled right down below. So <laughs> yes. You look at the two photos. I see my mom and dad in the background too. See right over my shoulder, my left, my right shoulder. That's my dad with the black right hair. Uh, where's the arrow? Yeah, right. That's my dad, and my mom is right next to him, right there. Right here. And these these, these jokers in the row behind, they were my my junior bowling team in Syracuse. Uh, so. Um, it was uh, it was something called Challenge Bowling. Every Saturday morning, there was a show that was on. We taped it was taped, I think, on Tuesday night on two special lanes that were built at the NBC affiliate in Syracuse, New York, in the basement of the of the television channel. They had lights all set up around this bowling center. They did bowling for dollars in there, 
So they had a weekly show, Bowling for Dollars. They had Challenge Bowling on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they had um, they had uh, the Sunday uh, Syracuse Bowls. It was called Syracuse Bowls. And that was for adults. And it was like, it was a King of the Hill format, which I'd love to, and I've used before and I want to bring back. And uh, the same guy, the winner would come back each week. And the, we bowled on those special lanes. The announcer on that show that you were just watching was a guy named Marty Pirano, who's a four-time PBA titleist, lefty, uh, the greatest bowler in Syracuse history. And uh, he was the announcer. And he was the biggest proponent of junior bowling in Syracuse. And he made that thing work every week. There was qualifying in all the local centers. So I won my spot on that show and then got to bowl on TV and you know, and that was a yellow dot, by the way, that I'm hooking the whole lane. That's oh, not yeah. you, you, yeah. were, you, were, you, you paved the way for guys like Belmo to come out here and hook the whole lane. I'd like to see them put it, put their fingers in, some, in the yellow dot and see and watch it wheel like that. Well, you know, I watch. I seriously grew up just watching Mark Roth and Marshall Holman. I mean, that's who I wanted to bowl like. They used the yellow dot. And, um, and uh, you know, you, every kid, you know, if you were at the top level of bowling, in the, that was probably the early 80s. I mean, you wanted to bowl like those guys, and you learned how to rip on it from them. I probably, I probably put more on it than Mark Roth and Marshall. <laughs> but that's the same thing that happens through history. I mean, look at Chris Barnes. He's like, he's my age. I mean, he grew up watching those guys, and when he bowled them when he was a teenager on that show that everybody's seen on YouTube when he bowls yep. against Roth and Holman. I mean, his ball is moving compared to theirs. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, he know he's he's taken bowling to another level, and you see the same thing happen today. And you know, EJ yeah. Tackett. Imagine EJ Tackett going back in time bowling back then. You say, "What? Look at this guy. He's he's from another planet." You know. Right. But anyway, so, but uh, yeah, that was a really cool show on special lanes. At a, you know, I would love to, you know that that type of possibility exists today to do things like that. And let me tell you another trivia about that show, Dave Ryan who you hear as an announcer on PBA shows. Yeah. He, you, he went to Syracuse university. So yep. he, his first job was at WSYR in Syracuse. He, he hosted that show for a couple of years as well. So before he had ever done any bowling, his first bowling was Syracuse bowl and, ch and challenge bowling. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. We had, we had Dave on last week. We spoke a bunch about Syracuse, uh, but didn't oh, that. that's really cool. Yeah, he, really, yeah, he, really he, cool you know who else worked on that show? Uh, before I forget, you know Joey Chacon. Sure do. Joey, uh, who works on the PBA shows now in our truck, doing stats and uh, graphics and things like that. And he was a great player in uh, college, obviously, and a good PBA pro. He uh, he used to keep score as a little kid. He would sit near Marty Pirano and he'd keep score for him. Uh, you know, so Joey was involved with that show as well. Wow! If only the that people show. knew who was in that building at that time and what that what the kind of impact that those people would have on the, on the sport of bowling. That, that's really <laughs> it's fun. It is interesting when you think about it. Yeah. So, Mike, uh, you've been on the sidelines here for quite a bit. I hope that you finished all of your cereal, unless you reloaded and got a got a second bowl going there. Um, <laughs> I'm good now. I'm good now. You're good. Isn't the kid great, Tom? Isn't he awesome? with his uh with his yeah. questions and his queuing up all his stuff I'm yeah yeah see that's work that's doing research i what he did with dave lamont i was afraid he'd do something like that with me so <laughs> <thankfully>. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> i mean you could i could i could pull together some yeah, quick, yeah. Quick, quick, quick. he's um, a pro he's a pro <laughs> I, have a, I have a couple of things here so i like to collect a lot of knickknacks and things i spend a lot of time on ebay and I collect things like uh, bowling cards. These are the old AMF oh, yeah. cards that I got myself, you know. <clears throat> and then it, it was about maybe a year and a half ago. You may remember this message I sent you, Tom. But I, I scoured the internet, and I like to look for obscure things. And I came across these uh, 
sets one through 10 of the 40 PBA stars, such as Don Carter, Dick Weber, Johnny Petraglia cards. I have them right here. And uh, the person that shipped them to me was a Tom Clark from, uh, from Syracuse, New York. And I sent you a message and I said, Hey, aren't you still living in Wisconsin? Because I ordered these bowling cards, these old retro bowling cards on eBay. And you said, no, it's probably my pops. It's probably my dad that did that. So um, is that, is that the reason why you were so into sports is because of your dad? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we did together. We, that's what we do. That's, you know, that's what we, we bowled. He brought, he got me into bowling. He got me into sports. Uh, You know, he's, he's actually, you know, that, that set you have there of those, those cards. I wouldn't be surprised if he had like a thousand of them. And that's why he's moving, moving some on eBay and things like that, because he's actually become like one of the best sports collectors in the country at the sports collectors, uh, convention um he uh he wins awards like they give him awards for like the best set and things like that and um you know he's because he he got into it because of me because and i start when i was a kid i get into baseball cards and football cards and basketball cards and things like that and then when i came back from college i had been working at uh, I, I i knew how to design newspapers and this was before the internet I mean, it's literally, it was in the early 90s, 92, something like that. And I, I had been the uh, editor of my college newspaper. And so I loved putting, designing newspapers, magazines, putting stories together, packaging the whole thing. So when I came, when I got out of school, I started my own business, which was a sports magazine. And at the time, in the early 90s, baseball cards were just off the chart, huge. There were literally 20 at least 20 sports card stores in Syracuse alone. So I was in Syracuse and I started this magazine and all of my sponsors, I went around to every card shop and said, you know, 50 bucks and I'll put your ad in here, your business card, or Hey, if you want a full page, it's 250 bucks. And, and I would basically sell and they all had to get in or they were going to fall off. I mean, they had to get in this thing. And then I, and I free distributed this magazine that was about cards and, and my father, you know, got involved with helping me with that just in terms of, you know, in all kinds of ways, my mother and father, both, because it was my own business. And, uh, uh, and so he started getting back into cards because of it. Cause we go to all these card stores and now he's become like one of the greats. <laughs> he almost probably got too addicted to it. He's a, I'll tell you one, one thing about him. He's a Don Mattingly fan mm. to a degree. You know, he was such a big Don. He has everything Don Mattingly. When people buy things about Don Mattingly, they're usually buying it from him. <laughs> wow. And it's kind of like his business after he worked for years at a power company, as, you know, as an engineer. And But all he's been doing uh, since and what he did for years was just, uh, you know, eBay and uh, collecting and, and dealing with those guys. Have you and your dad had conversations about what you've done in your career and had those you know, beer moments where you get to sit down and reflect a little bit about just what you've been able to accomplish and what he thinks of what you've done in your career. Yeah, but he's like everybody else. He knows what to do better than me. <laughs> so, I, you know, I do, he's a bowler. I mean, this is what, you know, and so, you know, I deal with the same things. Uh, and he's from Syracuse. And these guys all have opinions about what needs to happen, where it needs to go. But I know that uh, he's definitely proud. I mean, he's probably the number one extra frame subscriber and now the number one flow bowling subscriber. He watches every minute of the thing. 
and I, I, you know, I think back, I go, you know, the, when I became, uh, when I started working at the PBA, it was a pretty big deal. I mean, he and I, I grew up watching the PBA with him. We've talked about it for years. And, and so to go work for the PBA was a big deal. And one of my first years was the 50th anniversary of the PBA. And, uh, we had a big gala at uh, Red Rock in Vegas. And, um, you know, I was kind of in charge of the event, at least to a degree, you know, and it was and so, the champions in 2010, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a TOC week and hall of fame induction week. And, and, um, I, uh, you know, had a lot of influence. Oh, you, you got it. Yeah. That, that was all. Were you there? You weren't there, were you? No, but it's hanging yeah. right above my desk. And this is the one that was all autographed by all the players. Amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a great night, but what I, what I felt pretty proud about was I invited my mother and father out to that event and who's at my table, but Mark Roth, Marshall Holman, you know? Um, so to have, uh, you know, and he knew that he knew they were my heroes and to have those guys, you know, be friends of mine now and sit at my table and my mom and dad at that same table. And, uh, Mike J was also at the table too. And, uh, and, and uh, not to not to forget about him. He was the MC, so he was the MC of the event, and so he would have to get up, and and we had a great great table in the front, and and so having Mark and Marshall, and then my dad at that table with my mom, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, that's that was around the time I called your show, yeah. <laughs> two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, right in there. Yeah, it sure was. Um, we've got a few minutes left here with you. Um, I think. Uh, something else that I wanted to get into um, that Matt touched on a little bit, but over the years when the Microsoft guys own the PBA, um, you've shared some conversations with me and publicly as well. I've heard you talk about it where uh, they wanted more ratings uh, to attract more sponsors and the traditional formats weren't working. And over the years, you've had to try so many different things to try to generate revenue, interest in bowling, and you changed it so much, so many different times. But I think a lot of people don't realize that you were f kind of forced into position by your bosses saying, if that didn't work this year, like we're, I believe they went all in on whatever you were doing, your plan and committed to it and believed in you. And then the next year, if the results weren't there, then it was, okay, well, what are we going to try next? And you having to deal with that for a long period of time, a couple of really big successes that you had out of that, uh, that I wanted to touch on was when television needed to be taped or done all at one time you came up with this concept, the world series of bowling, and it's, it's stuck till today. And in my opinion is one of the key things under your leadership or when you were involved that is going to put you in the PBA hall of fame personally, it's personal belief. And then you also tried to get celebrities involved with the PBA league, which was another huge initiative, creating logos for all these teams, all these cities, uh, the managers, all of that. Could you touch on just kind of what you had to deal with, with trying to keep the PBA afloat with doing these different formats and for specifically the, the world series of bowling and the PBA league, which I think are two of the best things that, that you had done. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of look at what's happening in sports today and can draw a parallel because when you look at like uh, major league baseball, just for example, and they have to postpone the season, cancel the season so far, they can't start. And it trickles out that they're coming up with different ideas. And one of the ideas is we'll move the whole major league baseball to Arizona and play 
five games a day in the same stadium without fans and move them through and keep everybody in the same place and we'll do it all this way and we'll fit. in other words they are putting their they're they're thinking out way outside the box of what they thought was a even possible to figure out how to keep it going same thing with the NBA well we can't do the season we'll do the whole NBA finals in Las Vegas in one building and we'll make it one game elimination you know they're not doing it yet but that's on the table and they're thinking about it the PBA was in similar situations through the years where we're in a desperate situation there isn't the revenue we we would hit our own iceberg as a sport and as a television sport that they're hitting now and so we had to you have to come up with creative alternatives and so to be able to come up with a creative alternative like the world series of bowling that brought us we were all in detroit for a month and the first one and we bowled all these tournaments and then bowled all the finals and did them all in a row so we could save money you know but with an eye towards growing in certain areas like international players making it more appealing for them because of that um growing it was growing in terms of different patterns at the same house and making a tournament be a cumulative you know of of that these are all things that were kind of new definitely new for the PBA and they've all sort of survived and become part of the PBA because it wasn't just a matter of well let's just figure out how to get this done and save money that wasn't it it was how can we get this done save money so that we can actually do it but make it iconic make it special make it important um and there were always little steps along the way that helped get you there and some of them were not great ideas and we kept trying a lot of different things but i do i do draw a lot of parallels between what sports are going through now and what the PBA had to go through with that you know with with the celebrity with the uh, league again it was another time you know we've we've had to reboot on certain uh certain eras and it's in its certain times and we're probably at, at that point now where okay what's the reboot and it was actually a reboot when we got to fox how are we going to reboot it the reboot of fox being on fox was a pba playoff system and having tournaments have a point system so you can get into a playoffs and stretch a playoffs out for 10 shows and and make that you know uh, compelling television and um so you know it's not always you know that it's never that I sit down and say, this is what I want the PBA to be. This is going to be it. It, it, it can't, it, it, the only way that it could happen, I would need so much, you need so much buy-in to just get as many pieces of what you want done. And that just comes with a lot of it's politics. I mean, a lot of it is uh, conversations, relationships, business interests, media uh, realities, and take, taking all the pieces of it and getting enough people to buy in along the way you know, that, that other people deserve credit, like the World Series of Bowling, and you bring that up. Yes, I, I'll tell you right now, that was my thing. That was my idea. I had a whole PowerPoint. Here's what we got to do. This is what it's going to be. And But Fred Schreier was the CEO at the time. He was the commissioner at, was the, at the time. And he, he he's the one that gave that a green light. You know, it, without that green light, it doesn't happen. So a person like that, at any step of the way, there are a lot of people involved. It's not. It's never going to be you know, just one person uh, coming up with exactly the way they want it. You know, it, it, it's always going to come from somebody giving the go ahead, someone funding some, you know, so, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, uh, you know, survival, you know, sometimes breeds 
um, uh, something that's special. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I've been watching, you, you know, your shows and all these shows and, um, we all want to say how great bowling is because we, we are all bowlers and we do. I love, I, I could just watch Belmo versus Norm Duke and I, I I'm done. This is good enough for me. I, I'm, I'm in, I, I mean, I, I nothing is going to be more exciting. I love every other sport. I love, I'd rather watch it. If the Super Bowl was on, I'd probably watch. Belmo versus Norm Duke and any other and any pros in a in a professional bowling tournament. But while we all want to say how great the game is, and we all want to say how great um, a certain matches or a tournament or a memory or you know all aspects of it, it's not it's not uh, great enough to get us to the point where there's twenty thousand people watching this right now because they got to hear you know, what's going to be said. So we have to keep figuring out how do we get to that, to those next steps and not be complacent or believe in what we, you know, sort of like a tradition, a traditional things. We have to keep fighting in, in our, in our sport. And um, that's what I like. And I, I came into bowling a lot. Of, now that I've been working in bowling now for since 2005, working in it, that's 15 years. And before that, you know, I used to write about it. I used to, you know, and, and used to, be involved in that level. Um, uh, now people sort of think I'm establishment in a way. And it, it always makes me laugh because when I came in, it was all, what can we do differently? What Here's the ideas. Here's ways to grab attention again because we need it back because there isn't enough attention. How do we get the attention so that a television network wants to pay us a lot of money so that we're on their network? And how do we get it so a, a, an advertiser wants to sponsor the PBA? And so, you, you know, it was constantly coming up with, with new ideas and um, because you can't just roll out the same thing and expect that to happen. And, um, and so we, uh, that was me. I was, I was really a change agent. And, and so now if I'm, uh, you know, I need to keep remembering that's, that's my DNA. That's what I am. And so I have to, you have to keep redefining. You have to keep figuring out new ways. You can't get, you cannot get complacent. No. Absolutely. Good advice for sure, man. We're out of time with you today. Love to have you back. <laughs> you don't have to. We could stay on all day if you want. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I actually like that about the uh, Joe Rogan show and that yeah, that's true. there's time, there's, there's times they go like three hours and you go, how did they do that? And you go, you know what? It went pretty quick. Yeah, it, it does go quick. It always goes fast talking things over with you. And I certainly appreciate the time and all the support over the years that you've given me and all the goofy things I got going on too. I'm trying to navigate the economical trenches of bowling too, and try to provide a, a, a livelihood and just try to do good for bowling. You know, sometimes you make decisions. Some people don't like it. <laughs> sometimes you make some enemies. I've pissed you off a couple of times. That's why earlier in the call, when you said that, you know, you just got to let that stuff go. I popped on the screen for a minute because <laughs> it's because of your personality. that's allowed us to continue our relationship. So I just certainly appreciate the time again, man. Oh, and I've never been, never been mad at you. That's for sure. Now, I, I think everybody needs to get to a point where they can disagree with each other and say it right to their face. <laughs> you know, that's the time to do it. Always, I, I, you know, you guys were talking about the social media guys before. You know, it's been extremely rare that anyone has ever come up to me and said anything other than, you know, how much they really appreciate everything and how, how great everything is. So great, Tom. We love you. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Yeah. Except Tom Doherty. Yeah, he he always gives me shit. So. Yeah, well, he doesn't. He doesn't like anything. <laughs> I don't like anything. I always like that guy. I, I'm telling you, I have, I always like Doherty. I always like there was uh, there's a lot of them that um, you know. I always uh, I'm I'm a big fan of all of, of professional bowlers. I like their mentality. Really, there's even ones that people think I wouldn't, and because they've been critical, and I'm like, you don't understand. I, I love that guy. You know, that's a that I I root for him. You know, uh, um, you know, uh, Chris Barnes is trying. He's he's desperately looking for attention here. Yes, he he's right. He's yes. he's writing. Yeah, he's writing. No one after. Watch my show today. I'm on with Steve Beef Stew. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Barnes is a somebody that's helped me uh, uh, a lot through the years because I know I can bank things off him, and he's like that. He's not. We we just talk to each other and say where we disagree. And we're not going to be. We're not going to hold a grudge against each other. We're just going to be like, yeah, we we know we both of us want the best. That's right. what we want. So it it doesn't it doesn't even hurt a little, you know, when he criticizes. You get I get mad at him. I I I remember times getting mad at him, but then but we're you know, but I want to talk to him again the next time. I want to I want to bank more off him because like we said before, he's always thinking ahead. He's figuring out his edge. He knows how to get to the <laughs> three o'clock beef and Barnsby. <laughs> oh man. I, I <laughs> well guys, yeah, I appreciate what you guys are doing and um love to just love to talk anytime and figure out how we can uh, keep moving things forward. Yeah, maybe I'll give the show to you to work with Matt and I'll just step away and you, you can do the show. Yeah, I think that's why Mike kind of popped in like halfway through a conversation with a thumbs up just to let him know like, hey, this is the inside bowling show and I'm still here and Tom Clark's not going to steal it from me. There's only one way I would do that. Send you this mic? That microphone. Yeah. <laughs> box right here. I'll ship it to you. <laughs> I got to do. No, you've come a lot. You, you've come a lot. I, I know we, I, I, I just got through saying I, I hate all this stuff where we have to tell each other how great everybody is and how great everything is. But, you know, anybody in bowling has got to look, look up to the idea that you've done everything pretty on your own You're in found partners, found investors because they saw that you were going to have a plan. And you weren't going to just have a plan and then not do it. And um, you were going to, you know, actually follow through and go in this different direction and, and show that you're going to put in the work. It's going to be 24 hours a day. You know, anybody who thinks it's easy to, to have a business. That's why I love working with the ball companies too. And, uh, you know, this storm and, and Brunswick and Ebonite and motive, those guys, what they've done. I mean, that's 24 hours a day to make this stuff work. And, um, Anybody that's uh, had this much length of time working in this industry like you, not even really for someone, for yourself, that is uh, that's, that's, I, I want to be able to do that someday. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So congrats to you. And Matt, you, you latched yourself on to the right guy. Plus, you're just better looking. Yes, yes, that's, that's <laughs> it. Honestly, that's it. I'm well educated, but I think I'm brought on for my uh, for being better looking than Mike. So I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh man. Appreciate the words, man. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> yeah, it all, Tom. Thank you so much. No, you got it. It's great. But I, God, I wish I could whisper into a mic like that. Hey man, I'll send you the link. <laughs> to this thing. You're booked on so many shows. I can hook you up. No, I'm, I man, I wasn't the first guy. I, this morning bolt, they don't ask me to come on. I don't know what's going on. Oh, they will. They'll get oh, you. Oh no, I, no, I, at this point I'm gonna be like Johnny Carson. No, I don't go on these <laughs> shows. I'm not the tenth, you know. I mean, I, <laughs> 
I mean, come on. Uh, I was okay with Dave Lamont and Randy Peterson and Dave Ryan and who you've had. I'm okay. <laughs> you need to have, we'll have a telethon one day where we're raising money like for 48 hours or something straight. And you can anchor that program with me. We'll do shifts because we could talk forever. There would never be dead air. Right. Yeah. I, man, I came on with the whole idea of talking to you about French Montana, actually. Oh. And I, we didn't get to it. No, we didn't. We didn't. Montana. You, you won't. You, well, you should have me back on because he's. I think he dropped a new album. He was trending today, so that's why he became top of mind. And it was the greatest upset in the history of the Professional Bowlers Association. Yeah, it was. Is when Frenchie won the Chris Paul with with Ronnie Russell. And there is a story there that if someone does a documentary on that event, it would be so compelling. It, it would be. <laughs> It needs to happen. It would be oh, if they did a thirty for thirty on the time French Montana won a PBA event. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, the interview it would be incredible. At we'll we'll do it next time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. We appreciate it. We'll have you back on soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Right. Well, ran long again when you get another winded guest today, which uh, was great, Matt. Um, great. What what did you what did you get from today? I know you don't know Tom as well as I do, but uh, what did you take from today's episode? Um, I just think that you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of work that goes on behind the curtains. I think in in any job, you know, in any industry, I think that there's always a lot of work that has to be done, and not a lot of people really understand that. And I think it's great to learn about all of that, um, all of the work that people in positions like Tom have to go through to bring these events to life, to bring these events to fruition. And, um, and I think it's just interesting to learn and you just, you gain a lot of respect for these people. Yeah. Not an easy job. Probably one of the toughest jobs in bowling over the last 10, 15 years. But he's Undoubtedly. Had. And, and you know, it would be, it would be easy to, it'd be an easier job, right? If, if bowling was the size of the NBA or the NFL, I mean, there'd be some aspects that would be easier. Some of that would be harder, of course. Um, but again, like you, you mentioned earlier, He's, he's had his back up against the wall a couple of times as a commissioner of a professional sports organization that's faced a lot of adversity over the past decade or two, decade or two. And uh, so it's really cool to learn what goes through his mind, what's going on, um, and how kind of we're looking forward to continue growing the sports. He's a survivor and a fighter and loves bowling, loves sports, loves yep. his family. We didn't even get into a lot of the things that we wanted to that we had on our pre-list, but we will have him on again. I, I'm serious. We could do eight hours straight with Tom Clark just to – We should we should pick a day where we where we, where we just do like a massive stream where we stream for like 12 hours straight. And we just bring on like 12 different guests and just have them, have them all go through. Yeah. We just have like a, like a four way. We have you and I and Tom and maybe another person and we just sub in and out and then just keep yep. bringing in guest after guest after yep. guest all day. Yep. We would need yep. to tie that to a charity and raise some money for something good. That would be great. So that's what we should do. Um, that would be great. Matt, we're out of time. Yeah. Mike, we, 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 you got to go get some more cereal, man. You're, you're yeah. looking, you're looking a little winded here. You got to go gear up. We'll be we'll be back tomorrow where we've got uh, our first two guests at one time and they're experts at this. So we're gonna we're gonna ask them how to use this platform. We got yep. Chris Barnes and Stu Williams from the Beef and Barnsey show will be with us uh, tomorrow, same time. And uh, I have a special announcement tomorrow about Friday's show. So um, which will be Karen Do Carolyn Doran Ballard. And we've got guests booked for next week already. And uh, we're going to continue this thing rolling as long as we possibly can. want to thank everybody for tuning in today, for supporting our show, for sharing and letting people know that we're even doing this. 
Uh, once again, don't forget you can head over to InsideBowling.com if you want to support the show. Coupon code IV Show. IV Show is that coupon code, uh, and you can help support us. It means a lot to us. So, format for Tom Clark. I'm Mike. Thanks for joining us today here on the Inside Bowling Show. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay safe. Stay healthy, everybody.